Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast for Salem Heights Church. We meet weekly at 9 and 11 a.m. For more information, visit SalemHeightsChurch.org. Well, were you encouraged by that time of worship this morning? We have a lot to be thankful for, and just the opportunity to come together as a church and worship the Lord is is always so good. So, man, we are so thankful that you are here this morning. If you're a guest, welcome to Salem Heights. And uh, we are in the second week of a series called Ancient Wells New Season. And uh, we're doing something a little bit different this morning. Pastor Justin and I are both up here to kind of lead this message together. But uh, really, this is just an opportunity for us to represent the unity of our team and our pastors, our elders, as we've been talking about vision and where we're heading as a church. And if you're a guest with us this week and maybe you're checking us out, uh, it, it's you know inevitable to come on a week where they're kind of having family talk and talking yeah. about some stuff that might be really unique and specific to that church body. But we just want to encourage you that actually uh, this is the second week, but it's the, the last week. We're going to be breaking this series up in the little chunks that we're going to be doing throughout the summer. And next Sunday, we're actually kicking off our summer series, uh, which is going to be focusing, again, on apologetics, our ability to defend our faith and to reach our culture with the good news of Jesus Christ. And we are very excited. Yeah. I'm actually excited. <laughs> Look at my face. Sometimes people can't tell how excited I am. I'm, First I'm, service literally is like, I'm so excited we're having this Not event. true. Not true. Let's Love watch it. the video. Let's watch the video. Yeah, no, yeah. just joking. Uh, but check out who we got coming yeah. on here. I mean, even his hair is excited. Sean McDowell. <laughs> Is going to be here. If you don't know Sean McDowell, you probably have heard of his uh, dad, but he's actually coming here to help us address some of the key questions. Questions, yeah, that we're facing in our culture. Leighton Flowers. Uh, many of you might not be um, aware of his name, but you'll have heard some of his work. He's just a really effective communicator, um, a guy that we we have loved. How he not only approaches scripture, but the people who have come up against him. One of the tests, by the way, of uh, whether or not you're a teacher, a, a man of God, is how you respond to those that oppose you. He's gracious, he is thoughtful, clearly makes statements from the word of God, but desires to remain uh, brothers and sisters in Christ. He doesn't want to create a fight, he wants to grow us in knowledge. And so yeah. we'd love to have you hear not only what he has to say, but the style in which he shares it. And then Jimmy Dodd. You guys remember Jimmy, yeah? yeah. All 19 foot of him is going to be here, <laughs> and uh, he is excited to be here. And Robert Morgan, if you're a senior saint in, in the auditorium, uh, the last couple of years, we spent some time in uh, a couple of books, The Red Sea Rules and The Jordan River Rules, along with a, a few others. Uh, we started reading some uh, stuff by Robert Morgan when one of our senior saints, uh, who was terminal at the time, said, this devotional has meant so much to mm. me. And we went to the Word and we took a look at how the encouragement of the Word of God would help prepare you for heaven, which was to be her home within just a few weeks. Uh, and we continued to read that book and a couple of others, and we're so encouraged by the way Robert Morgan not only helps us address our current situation, but when it's time to see the Savior face-to-face, prepared our hearts as we were reading those. Well, he is committed to being able to come here on the 30th, and not only that, on that day we're having a senior saint's barbecue where just the senior saints get a chance to hang out with Robert Morgan. Yes, isn't that great? Now here's the thing. There's a lot more people in here that qualify for senior saints than have been attending. You're all going to be welcome. So yeah. Yeah, we are excited for the the ability to bring in guest speakers who can help us uh, just unpack God's word and help us be able to answer some of these questions. So if you're a guest, come back next week, invite your friends this summer. This is going to be a really great series where it's going to have a lot of easy ways to get kind of onboarded into the the lessons and the gospel is going to be clearly taught and it's going to be really, really good. But for this morning, we are going to spend another week kind of sharing with you some vision for our church. And last week, Pastor (laughs) Justin kind of kicked off this series, Ancient Wells, New Season, and really kind of communicating to our church that our leadership team, our elders, our staff believe that God has been uh, clarifying a vision and unifying our team to move forward on that vision in the coming months. Um, Something that's been growing and developing for well over five years, and we believe the Lord is saying now is the time. And there's going to be all kinds of questions that come along with that, but 
every time we endeavor to kind of communicate to you what the Lord's doing and how we want the church to participate, we believe it's important that we center those conversations on God's word. And so we are going to be looking at a passage this morning that's going to highlight a principle that we see in the Old Testament that the Israelites were struggling with. But I think there's a principle there that we need to remember today as we consider what this looks like for our church. So if you have a copy of God's word, I'd love for you to join us in Jeremiah chapter two. Yeah, and while, while you're turning there, Pete's gonna read this for us. One of the questions you might have is, well, why does it take two of you to carry the day? Um, I, I just want you to know, uh, first of all, this um, vision for where we're headed and these things that we're talking about came out of a season of prayer as a leadership team. Uh, but also, um, there's something important that happened uh, back when the world went wonky. I don't know if you remember, that's just a few years ago. Uh, but there was a week where we were headed towards having church on Sunday and we were told midweek that we could not. And um, Pete and I uh, were able to get on camera and be able to do a, a video message. And through that season, uh, he's walked uh, with me through all of those uh, intense moments. And one of the things that has happened in that time was not only that you got to see the gifting that God's given Pete, um, but God's not just speaking to one person or just to a, some hidden elder team that's out there. Uh, I felt it was important in this season for you to hear from both of us as leaders uh, because Pete is a, not only a gifted communicator, but he is a pastor at Salem Heights that is, is gifted to help lead and carry many of these things forward. And so I, I don't know if you're thankful that Pete is uh, here and a part of what's going on. We felt it was important for both of us to be able to say, this is a shared vision of the elder team and we collectively are bringing this to you. So I forgive you now for that joke earlier. Okay, yeah, first yeah. service is erased. No, I appreciate that. And I, I feel honored to be a part of this this morning as we look at this passage. So Jeremiah chapter two, and you might be wondering, what does Jeremiah, this, this, this prophet in the Old Testament have to do with us today? Well, again, the Israelites had a reputation of not always valuing and seeing what God had provided and going to look for satisfaction in all the wrong places. And we see God's word to those people here in Jeremiah chapter two. So will you join me in verse one? We're gonna read the first 13 verses of this chapter. It says this, the word of the Lord came to me. Go and announce directly to Jerusalem that this is what the Lord says. I remember the loyalty of your youth, your love as a bride, how you followed me in the wilderness and a land not sown. Israel was, the, was holy to the Lord, the first fruits of his harvest. All who ate of it found themselves guilty. Disaster came on them. This is the Lord's declaration. Hear the word of the Lord, house of Jacob and all the families of the house of Israel. This is what the Lord says. What fault did your ancestors find in me that they went so far from me, followed worthless idols and became worthless themselves? They stopped asking, where is the Lord? who brought us from the land of Egypt, who led us through the wilderness, through the land of deserts and ravines, through a land of drought and darkness, a land no one traveled through and where no one lived. I brought you to a fertile land to eat its fruit and bounty. But after you entered, you defiled my land. You made my inheritance detestable. The priests quit asking, where is the Lord? The experts in the law no longer knew me and the rulers rebelled against me. The prophets prophesied by Baal and followed useless idols. Therefore, I will bring a case against you again. This is the Lord's declaration. I will bring a case against your children's children. Cross over to the coast of Cyprus and take a look. Send someone to Kedar and consider carefully. See if there's ever been anything like this. Has a nation ever exchanged its gods? But they were not gods. Yet my people have exchanged their glory for useless idols. Be appalled at this, heavens. Be shocked and utterly desolate. This is the Lord's declaration. For my people have committed a double evil. They have abandoned me, the fountain of living water, and dug cisterns for themselves, cracked cisterns that cannot hold water. Let's pray and we'll look at a couple of thoughts from that passage. Father, we ask now that you would help us to be able to see what is here in your word. In the New Testament, it says uh, that these things were written so that we might not crave sin as they craved it, so we might not have the same result happen in our lives. Uh, you have given us the Holy Spirit 
Um, he, he takes up residence inside every single believer. We have an advantage that they don't have, and yet we still wander. We still find ourselves chasing after things that will not satisfy. So open our eyes to that fact, and then also, Father, help us this morning to see what a great benefit it is to be able to gather with brothers and sisters in Christ that will encourage us to stay faithful, to stay in the right place, to be uh, focused on your will and your heart and not our own. So we pray that you would help us both to see what your desire was in this passage for us, but also, Father, that we would be able to see the need uh, to make room for more um, at the table to be able to see your goodness. Give us a vision for what it is you would have us be about, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yeah, so one of the things that we want to be able to do, um, each time that we come to you, we're we're talking about um, a building structure, some things that we need to do as a church family. So Pete mentioned that we have a, a little bit of family time that we're participating in here, but also... Um, there shouldn't be any time that we gather together where we're not focused on the word and we're not uh, looking at the word. So what we want to this morning, take a look at a, a spot in scripture that I think really speaks to a bigger metaphor. There's a picture here, an actual well is being talked about, but it's a metaphor for drawing sustenance and strength from the Lord. From Genesis to Revelation, there are these pictures of living waters or the well um, that you can go to, and it's a picture of finding your satisfaction in God, the fact that he desires to well up within you um, and and give you eternal life, to transform who you are, and nearness to him matters. Mm. So from Genesis all the way through the book of Revelation, this metaphor is picked up. It is a picture that is uh, placed there for us to think about. And we find it also in Jeremiah 2. And when you read this passage, we finished with verse 13. For my people have committed a double evil. They have abandoned me, the fountain of living water. He's saying, I I literally am the one that would sustain you. If you're living in a desert region and you find out that there is, when it says living water, it's the idea of active water, a bubbling brook. So it's not just stagnant sitting there out in the sun filled with dust or whatever might collect in there. It is flowing. It is clean. It's refreshing. He says, you've... Abandon me, the fountain of living water. He said, that's a metaphor for your soul. Why won't you stay near me and be refreshed? But instead, they have dug cisterns for themselves, cracked cisterns that cannot hold water. When we read that passage, uh, as you work your way through there, the first thing that we begin to think about as just an average reader when you're reading that passage, you get stuck on that final statement. My people have committed two evils. And we, we start with the negative, How is it that they've done this? What is it that they've done? And we start with all the hardship. But the first thing I want you to notice in this passage is the entire context that is the same today as it was in the Old Testament, God always desires our satisfaction. In every single age, he wants you to be satisfied in him. He wants all of the transformation and everything that you experience in your life to come from Jesus Christ. He wants you to be filled up with who he is. He wants you to feel like you've come out of parched places and been refreshed, but he wants you to know that it was he who did it. That's super important. So the first thing we need to see is that he wants you to be satisfied, but then there is something that happens in our life that pulls us away. And if you think in your own life, when is that moment where I I went from feeling like God was everything and I could tell my story to anyone and I was among friends when I was at church and I was rejoicing. But there may be seasons as you're looking at it where you feel yourself pulling away or uh, we use the term dry like you would if you were in a desert region. I start feeling separated. I start feeling distant. I start feeling overwhelmed. I start feeling like uh, there's not much there. So how do you end up far from the Lord? And he says here, actually digging cisterns. We had highlighted last service, it's uh, not like brothers and cisterns, it's, uh, it's actually a process of digging in the ground in those areas uh, to capture groundwater. So if you imagine a, a place, think of California uh, that's been in the middle of a drought and then water hits and you're saying, well, you got enough water, the drought should be over, right? But all that baked earth, what happened is the water goes shooting through those areas, it just tears up the surroundings. There's no water left in those high hot places. 
that's up in the mountains if God would provide snow, but it just goes blowing through there. So how do you actually keep water so that you can be sustained? They would, in those muddy places, dig in the ground and capture the groundwater as runoff. He says, you actually went out so that you didn't have to stay near me. And it's a beautiful metaphor because actually on the Temple Mount, there is a, a well uh, it's one of the unique places on the earth where up on a high place, like a siphon effect, the water is drawn up into that. And you can actually see water that is flowing up there. So he says, you're coming to worship me. There actually is a well here. He says, a place where you can be refreshed. You can worship me. He says, but you have gone to these other places and dug cisterns. Mm-hmm. Why? And he gives us a couple of different reasons in this passage. He says, you've chased after other gods. Now, we we don't follow gods in the same way. We don't put names on them as gods, but we can identify the pattern. I think that's really important. Um, Why would you go away from living water? The first thing that he highlights in here is freedom. I don't want to be tied to what you say, Lord. So you are the, the fountain of living water. That's great. And, and this has been really fun living here. And I'm glad we're in a desert region. I like drinking cool water. But there's got to be more, right? How many have heard somebody say that? I've been enjoying this. I love the fellowship. But I, I kind of want to do this for a season. Or I kind of want to do that. And the next thing you know, things that aren't really bad, but they're not the focus of your life, begin to captivate you and pull you away. You've invested in them, you spend time on them, and they begin to own your thinking and your heart. You want freedom to be able to do that, and you declare, I'm free to be able to do these things. You're free to dig a well when you still have access to the living water, because you've moved so far away, this isn't meeting your need. He actually says in here also, though political and economic alliances have led you astray. I'm not just saying this to poke at people, I want you to see verse 16 in here. And 17, it says, the men of Memphis and Tappanese have broken your skull. Have you not brought this on yourself by abandoning the Lord while he was leading you along the way? He says, you've actually looked at some folks and um, these two locations were down near the Nile River Delta. It was a place where there was shipping and it was a place where there was a lot of food that would come in. So you've gone to a place where Uh, The army is strong and where their economy is strong and they told you, we're for you. You come down here, you're going to be safe with us. And you're trying to tell me, these people really love me, they're for me. As you have a sword buried in your head, he says. There's a sword in your skull and you're trying to convince me they're still for you. He says, why are you doing this? I I just want you to, to hear right now that there is a whole host of people right now who politically, economically are going to tell you that they are for you because they they want something from you, from this generation. They want something from believers. They want your allegiance, but they will not stay aligned with you. It's the world system. And it comes in every single color. You can pick right, left, you know, top to bottom, whatever it is. All of these systems are vying for attention and saying they have a better way. And this is what God says. You can get drawn off course thinking that is going to satisfy you. But all of a sudden it will dry up and you will find out you're at a cistern that holds no water. You're not refreshed. You're angry. You're not feeling revived and blessed. You're feeling drained and overwhelmed. And then the final thing is personal cravings. Now, I was telling you as we were walking through this, this is the part where sometimes we edit God. And right. um, there's times where you read what's in scripture and you, and you say, Lord, I, I know you wrote that down, but I'm not sure I can say that on Sunday morning, okay? And you feel like, it's a bad thing, by the way, to feel like you're more holy than God who wrote these things down. But listen to the description that he gives. What are we like when we are heading towards broken cisterns? He said, there's an appetite in you. Um, how can you protest? Verse 23, I'm not defiled. I've not followed the bales. So how can you say, I I don't really do that? Verse 14, he said, you're like a wild donkey at home in the wilderness. She sniffs the wind and the heat of her desire. Who can control her her, um, passion? Who can look for her and will not become weary? They will find her in her mating season. He says, basically, you go out there and you watch these animals. They have their strong cravings and you don't have to look very hard. They're gonna come running when it's time. They're gonna come running for whatever their passion 
is. And he says, you want to know what, believer? There's seasons where the world looks or where the enemy looks and says, you're just like that. There's a hunger in you to have something, to experience something, to be something, and you chase after it, and it's left you dry. So God desires our satisfaction, but we have these cravings that pull us away from our satisfaction. And uh, as we were talking, um, the question in the room has to be, well, how do I know if I've actually if I've actually bought into those desires, those gods? What if I've made something else my savior? And the question is written in your notes there, and I think we talked about that QR code. If you don't have the rest of the notes, you can just QR code those. It'll fill in the blanks. But here's the test to, to know whether or not you have drifted from God's best, the living water, to something else that won't satisfy. What happens to you when it's taken away? How do you know if you're addicted to something that is not God, what happens to you when it is taken away? I'm not really addicted to my bank account. I'm not really addicted to uh, certain groups winning this or that. I'm not really addicted to, you know, fill in the blanks, folks. We We have all of these lists. And then all of a sudden, it disappears. We learned a lot about ourselves, didn't we, when we were told that our freedoms would be restricted? And if it's not love, peace, patience, joy, kindness, self-control that's coming out of us, if it's not the spirit of God that's hitting our Facebook, we have to stop and say, yeah, we're we're enduring hardship. We can be angry or irritated about it, but what is it that we actually have begun to serve? What gives me meaning? What gives me happiness? What do I need in order to feel settled? Well, if that's not there and I get destroyed, that's my God. God says, I should be the only thing that you need. All the other things are a benefit and they're beautiful and you can have plans for other things as long as your centerpiece is me. What, what have you put in place of the Savior? That's the second way to look at it. There's nobody in here that I would say, you would say uh, you, I'm going to ask you the question, you know what, what are you worshiping instead of Jesus? And you would say, oh, I'm not doing that. Who is your savior instead of Jesus? And I've heard this statement made. Well, I I got saved a long time ago. It's living that's hard. The picture here is of somebody coming in out of the desert and they say, well, no, I I just needed refreshment at the beginning. Uh, I just needed Jesus when I was coming in out of the cold. But now I got to live my life. So that's why I'm drifting away. What scripture says is, no, you don't need just the well of living water at the beginning You set up camp next to the well. That's how you not only become alive, that's how you survive and thrive. That's how you do. Amen? Amen. You stay close to the well of living water. It's Jesus all the time. It's not just Jesus at the beginning. He fills up your days. He changes the way you think. He changes how you live your life, how you relate to your family, in your business, to the community. All the things come through Jesus Christ. He needs to be your savior, but other things become our focus. So here is this author, Jeremiah, and he has told them, this is what the Lord has said, and it's hard every single season for us. Aren't you glad you came to church this morning? You used to get uh, all this landed on you. Yeah, it's kind of intense, isn't it? But uh, it's a, a thing that we need to be aware of. God desires our satisfaction Our gods lead us away from satisfaction. Our gods, little g. But this is the thing that we want to highlight that kind of carries us into why would we focus on this passage when we're talking about the church. Satisfaction and restoration are to be announced, displayed in fellowship. When you find your satisfaction in God, when you get restored in the Lord, he gives you an opportunity to put that on display with people. Uh, At the end of this, and I would just have you write it down on your own uh, and read it. Uh, He gets done talking to Judah, and then he also has the same message for Israel because they were a split kingdom at that time. Um, And he says in verse 12 of chapter 3, return unfaithful Israel. This is the Lord's declaration. I will not look on you with anger for I'm unfailing in my love. This is the Lord's declaration. By the way, 
There are many of you sitting in here today who were far from the Lord. You were doing things that even right now you're embarrassed to say in mixed company. You were participating in things, craving things that were not God's best. And aren't you thankful for a God that in every single age, all the time, has said, come to me and we're not going to focus on what you did wrong. We're going to focus on how you and I together will get it right. I'm going to make you right. Isn't that awesome? It's called grace, and that's what he wants us to be focused on, the storyline of the transformation that happens when you're with him. So he says, I'm not going to focus on that thing. I'll only uh, acknowledge your guilt. Return to me. He says, repent. You've rebelled against the Lord. You've scattered your favors to strangers. And then listen to this, verse 14. Return, faithless children. This is the Lord's declaration, for I'm your master. I will take you, one from a city, Two, from a family, I'll bring you to Zion and I will give you shepherds who are loyal to me. What does he do when you get restored? He puts you in fellowship. He puts you together with other believers. In fact, it turns from a plea to return to him and it turns into a picture of the millennium. Someday, he says, you're gonna see what I've been talking about the whole time. All of us are gonna gather and you're all gonna worship in one place. You're gonna have one heart and there won't be any sin among you. Isn't it a beautiful thought? Someday, he says, I'm going to pull you from every single nation and all those places. We're going to be gathered together. He says, but this is the picture I want you to wrap your mind around. I'm going to pull you from a city, from a family, from these other spots. And when you are right with me, I'm going to get you to announce that in a congregation of people. I'm going to put you together with others who have the same story, who know how far you were from me, and now they can rejoice at how close you are to the well of living waters. There's a story told of a soldier, World War I, and uh, he's walking along through one of the trenches, and it's filthy. It's a horrible existence. They had to keep their head down, and they're only able to just duck down through these pits that were filled with not all the filth of, of the men, but also the storms uh, that are pouring in on them, and all of the debris of battle is right there in those places. And as he was going from pod to pod, this uh, man that was a captain over them is looking at the different men that were there and they're just huddled up and they're trying to cling on to any vice they can grab onto that'll make that moment endurable. And he's going from group to group trying to dishearten them and make sure that they keep their head down and they stay away from the people that are sniping at them. But he comes upon this one young man and he says there's a delight in his face. He's completely captivated with something and he's huddled over it. And so I'm looking at this guy thinking, okay, what has he stolen or what, is, you know, what contraband does he have with him? And no, it's a Bible that his mom had given him, a little Bible that he could slide into the pocket of his uniform. As he was reading that Bible and he has such delight and its engagement in his eyes, he said, I looked at him, this captain is speaking to him, and he said, what are you doing with that? He said, look around. Look at this mess that we're in and all the slop that we're, the filth that is around you. You need to throw that thing out. And he says, you have no idea. He said, if you knew what this meant to me, he says, how it changes the way that I look at you, that I look at the enemy that's on the other side, that I consider our circumstances, the hope that it gives me. My hope isn't right here in this hole. My hope isn't even that we're going to win. My hope is in heaven. And he says, if you knew how much this delighted me, you wouldn't ask me to throw it away. You would ask me if you could have a copy. You would want it. A short while later, he says, there was a bomb that gets lobbed over and it lands in that area. Killed most of the men in that group. The young man that had had the Bible was fatally wounded. He says, I go over, he has the same delight in his eyes. He says, this doesn't mean I lost. It means that I, I win. I get to be with the Lord. And the man was telling the story. He was recounting it in a church. He comes in, he says, and as he's holding up and telling that story, he says, and this is the Bible that he gave to me. And he says, and that man's savior is my savior, and that hope is my hope. And he says, that's what I'm putting my eyes on. I was transformed in that moment because I saw something that was bigger than the war we were in and the things we were facing. And he was able to announce that in a church to believers. Aren't you thankful that we get to hear stories like that on a regular basis? Yeah. A story in World War I that we hear and we're touched by, but do you know there are stories like that right here in this auditorium, and God allows you to be able to share your story with other believers. Yeah. And so we are convinced that God has given us ancient truth, that we has been a, a fountain of living water yeah. that has been refreshing and, and discipling and growing up people in the faith since this church was founded 
almost 75 years ago. And we yeah. believe that it's continuing to be a place where people can come, draw near, drink deep, and then that overflow through them can be spread out to the rest of this community. And so we are committed to not walking away from our first love as a church. We want to, we want to tend to this well for not only this generation, but yeah. for the generations to come. Yeah, we're announcing this is the place where that living water can be found. And then these are the people that, you can, that will rejoice with you when you find it. Right. Uh, these are the people that will help you stay near there and help you build your life on that living water. And so that's the gift that we can give. And so in light of that, we also are very aware, cognizant of growing needs both inside and outside yeah. of the church. And so we've been on our knees asking the Lord, Lord, what do you want us to do with that? Because we want to make sure that people can come near, can, can gather here, can be a part of this church, can be discipled and drink deeply from your word to grow in the relationship with you so that they can go out and, and be your hands and feet, fulfill their commission and, yeah. and to make disciples. Um, and so in light of that, we believe that we want to help people who are looking for that satisfaction be able to come and find it where God has said, this is where I want my people to find it, in my word, as part of the local church. Yeah, one of the concerns that we've both had as we're talking about not only the truth of God's word, but then we've got to talk about a a building campaign and what we're going to do in here. We're going to give you a little details here in a moment. But one of the concerns is is there sometimes in a a campaign process, uh, the implication will be, well, if you're really godly, you're going to give, right? Or somebody will say, you know, uh, let me look at your checking account and I'll tell you whether, how your spiritual life is. This is not that place. We've highlighted over and over again, we, we don't pass a plate because we believe the spirit of God moves through his people. You are called to give between you and the Lord and he has always supplied all of our needs. Amen? Amen. He's supplied our needs and he's going to in this next season. He's going to do that. He's going to use those people that are uh, called, he's going to use them in a spectacular way. But we, we, we believe that. But there's also something else I, I don't want to leave you with. I don't want the stain of guilt to be on anyone. We believe when we come to some of these moments where we do have to say openly, man, we need you to join us in this. Would you consider being here? That a lot of times there will be guilt that is heaped up on there. And the implication is if you were really serious, you would put everything right now in front of the Lord. Everything that you have, just give it to him, right? That's the implication. I heard one author say, uh, give this analogy. He said, I don't think that God asked that for, from us in any season. He doesn't. He says, it's as if the Lord has a meeting with you at the very beginning. He says, if you're really tied in to me, he says, I'm going to give you $1,000 right now, but I want you to go down to the bank and cash it all into quarters. And this is what you get to do. Throughout the rest of your life, until you see me face to face, you have uh, that $1,000. You say that you're all in and that $1,000 is mine. Great, but here's what I get, I'm gonna allow you to do. You don't get to spend it all in one moment. You don't get to make one big splash or one big prove it uh, day. Today, I want you to spend 25 cents, he says, uh, minister to this kid. 50 cents, you take care of that brokenhearted widow. Another 50 cents that's over here. There, there's that neighbor that uh, is in need of help or a friend that is in the community or somebody in, in the church that needs a word. This small group needs a leader. You get to cash 25 cents here, 50 cents here, maybe a dollar in that spot. He says, at the end of your days, you get together with the Lord and we'll have an accounting. How much of these moments that I provided for you, opportunities for you to be faithful, how many of those did you invest what I gave you in? The accounting comes at the end of your life. It's about lifelong faithfulness, not proof in a moment. Amen? Mm-hmm. It's not about proof in a moment. I don't want any of you to feel like your, your salvation is tied into what you did at the church. Your salvation is tied to Jesus Christ. Yeah. But where we display whether or not we were part of a family or community, whether we feel like we are connected to one another, and as a family we're moving somewhere and seeing God do something, that does get tested in moments like this. We're praying that you will feel a sense of community, a sense that as brothers and sisters, you're united in one heart saying, we see where the Lord would have us go. And that's what we want to be about. Yeah. So there are a number of needs that we want to address in this next season. And we want to broaden the way that what investment looks like. For some, it's going to be financial. Um, For some, it's going to be with their time. Some, it's going to be with using the skills they have. But here's the thing. We're, We're just spending two weeks here in May to lay this before our church. And we believe that if, the whole, if this is derived by the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God is leading this church to 
go accomplish this, that yeah. he will unify us. And so we're, we're laying the vision before you. We're going to give you a little bit of details here as we conclude our service today about what we're even talking about, what we're trying to accomplish. But then we're going to step away and we're just going to ask you to pray. Just begin to pray. If the Lord is in this, make it clear to everyone and let there be such a unity amongst us that we have to move forward on this. Otherwise, it'd be a violation to what God is yeah. compelling us to do as a church. But we've, uh, we've already anticipated some of the questions you might have this morning. They're the questions that have been coming up as we've been sharing with our staff and yeah. some of the other key teams we've been building. But uh, we wanted to go over that real quick. Yeah, one of those is uh, we've named it Ancient Wells New Season. We're attaching this idea that we're not changing truth. We're just saying, Lord, the same truth. We want to highlight it and make it available for people. But there's a, a tagline underneath there, draw near, drink deep, and share the overflow. Uh, you've had an opportunity to work with the teams and just have them interact with this. What do you think is being highlighted there? What, why is that important for our folks to understand? Yeah, I mean, our, our heart's desire behind this is not to make a bigger name for ourselves or to become a bigger church. It's just literally to expand access to people so that they can draw near to the living water, to be part of this church, yeah. that we would have space for people to come into the room and be able to worship together, to be able to have places where people could gather together around God's word and be discipled from, from the nursery all the way to our senior saints. And that's what we're seeing is that God is blessing us with more and more people. Our church is growing. We need more space to be able to do that. So we want people to be able to draw near and find that living water because that is God's plan A for people living for him in a broken world. But we also want them to be able to drink deep. And so we want spaces that are set up for people to, to fellowship and disciple and to spur one another on. And then we, we don't want though just again to ask the Lord to provide for our needs and then it become kind of something that we hoard. We don't want this to become a cistern. We want, we want to be a channel for God's provision. So we want everything that he's doing in us through the word of God as he develops us to be able to send us out and to be able to accomplish his will both in this city and beyond. And so share the overflow just has the idea that God is going to fill us up, but this is a well that continues to flow up and we're going to let that go out and we're going to let him uh, make us into the hands and feet of him. And we're going to let that come out of us. Yeah, that's good. I think that answers the, the tagline, but the, we've had a question that also kind of is attending that. And that is, well, if we're feeling pressure here and all of these things, why not just plant? Uh, we've got you know, all these people. Let's just, you know, take the ones that we want to send to West Salem and uh, <laughs> send them over there. Why not that? Well, it's true. God needs good people in West Salem. Yeah. We all know that. And but, it is Canaan. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but no, that's a great question uh, because when you hear about we want to we want to build some things, we want to expand, you might be thinking we're trying to become bigger. And is that kind of self-serving? Why not just send people off and plant because yeah. we know we need more churches in Salem. The reality is, is that we are not interested as a pastoral team, as a leadership team in building a bigger church, a bigger auditorium, being a bigger name. Uh, we want to invest in his kingdom. And so these plans um, are intended to be able to invest both in what the needs are here, but also to begin to have greater access to invest in other churches. But these plans do not stop us from one day being a church that sends out people from amongst our body to go yeah. and plant in other places around our city. We, we believe that that is a possibility in our yeah. future. But the reality is we want to expand even what planting looks like. Because statistically, um, a lot of the churches that are planted and sent out have a hard time getting established, especially here in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. And so we want to be wise. And if the Lord leads us to do that, we will absolutely follow him. But we have seen God open up doors where we can be pouring into current churches and helping them stay healthy and active and to grow, which to us is, is planting seeds and investing in the kingdom of God as well. Wow. For example, our, our Addictions Victory Ministry, the most excellent way, a few years ago, there were two meetings happening here in Salem area. We're up to 12. Every week at the two meetings we have here at this campus, at this campus and over in the West, one we lead in West Salem, uh, we've, we've had uh, at least a minimum of 10 churches every week, people from all over the city sending their people there, coming and finding help, and then going back into their communities yeah. and serving as living in victory over their addictions. Our biblical counseling ministry, since 2014, 59 churches from all over Oregon have sent people here to be trained. 12 of those churches now have started some form of formal biblical counseling and more and more are asking to the point where we're having to find more space to train up counselors. That's in addition to the hundreds of hours of free biblical counseling we're offering our church and community. 
And all those people are part of the church. They're going back into churches and those churches are growing and getting healthier. So we are investing in, and that's what these plans that we're gonna share are about. It's not just about meeting the physical needs, which we have to address for our family, but we actually believe we are investing in the kingdom. We are planting churches. We're just doing it a little bit differently. Yeah, and just address also, uh, when we talk about church planting, you know, we've walked alongside some some great uh, young men that are planting churches in the city. They've had a really hard time. Um, but numerically, it, it's hard to break 100 right. uh, or even survive as a, a church planter. Um, how is this going to answer that same need? Yeah, because one of the things that that's part of the three gifts we want to offer is to be able to have a place where we can train and encourage and pour into pastors and staffs from other churches, not as the experts, not trying to duplicate what we do, not trying to be just, here's our provision that we're giving to you, but saying, God has given us a heart to see you as our brothers and sisters in yeah. the Lord. How can we encourage you? How can we come alongside? What do you need to continue to let the light of Christ and the word of God burn brightly in your congregation? And yeah. so part of this new facility that we want to build and, and some of the programs that we're trying to continue to pour into are to expand our care for other churches in the area. Yeah, one of the things, if we think about planning a church, you, you struggle to get to 100 people and, and there's limited success there. Um, uh, we didn't share this story for a service, but I, I just heard from a pastor that took on the most excellent way and they just said a transformation's happened in their church. They had a, a gal, he said she's just covered head to toe in tattoos, felt embarrassed about her former life and all of these things, has found grace and freedom in Jesus Christ, is transformed and set free from drug and alcohol addiction and is uh, experiencing all of this joy and was rejoicing with the church that her family is now back together. And, and the entire church now is growing. The, the family that is extended from that gets transformed. How many people in here have been blessed by testimonies of people whose lives have been transformed and it's caused you to want some, to tell that story to somebody else? Yeah. Yeah. This, is, this is one of the things we think as we see these churches now that are taking that on, what if 100 people were to come, but not to a Salem Heights church, what if 100 people were to be added to other churches, healthy churches, and they already have discipleship in place, and they already have good pastors in place? This is not the only holy place. And we think that one of the, the best gifts that we can give our community is to invest in those places that are already good, that are great churches, and they need some help counseling, or they need some help ministering to those that are broken in a new way, some tools to better minister to those folks. And when they get it, those people pop, and they're in a settled growing community already established. And that's a beautiful part of what we're hoping to see happen. We wouldn't get any credit for that, but God would get the glory. And that's what we want to invest in. So as we wrap up this morning, we want to do a couple of things. We want to give you a brief snapshot of what we feel led to go pursue that will help us accomplish this vision. Um, We're going to have many more details in July and in September. Uh, But we want to do that, and then we want to answer probably the biggest question in the room, which is, is this the best time? Why would we do this now? What we're feeling led to do, to again, expand access so people can draw near, is we want to complete a project that this building in here, we're not wanting to build a bigger auditorium, but we are wanting to complete the room that this was designed to be, which is including a balcony, um, which will increase a little bit of space. And so um, we want to put a balcony in. Um, That's one part of the project. The second part of the project is we want to build a two-story ministry center just off our atrium. If you've ever walked by our children's ministry area, there's this bridge that goes to nowhere. Literally, it goes into a wall. That bridge was always supposed to go somewhere. And we believe it's time to now complete that. We want to build a brand new... That's a 40-year-old bridge. It's it's old. It's old. We might have to rebuild it. Uh, The ministry center is going to be a two-story building. The top story is completely dedicated to training and discipleship for our church. Current ministries, everyone being able to use it, meeting spaces, uh, discipleship rooms, counseling rooms, gathering places where we can disciple. We can continue to give room for all our ministries to use this during the week and on Sunday mornings. The bottom level is going to be completely dedicated to addressing one of our biggest growing needs, and that is our children's ministry area. Uh, we are bursting with life, and we are thankful for that. <laughs> yeah. 
but yeah, we that's want, a good thing, we, isn't it? It is, and we want to invest in that. And so the whole lower level is going to be dedicated to nurseries and preschool rooms and places that are safe for our kids to check in, which will allow us to build a bigger lobby out here so that we can have more places to fellowship and get connected after services. Yeah. So we want to build a ministry center. We want to complete the balcony. And this is also going to allow us to shift some things around here on our campus to be able to utilize spaces for a counseling center, to be able to put, play, put our teams together in places that allow them to serve more uh, impactfully together during the week. Uh, but that's what the building project is going to look like. It's going to be to basically kind of complete the, the footprint here because we are convinced that God is not calling us to go find a piece of property outside of town because that's the only place we'd have property and build a bigger auditorium and build a bigger church. We don't want to do that. Um, we want to invest in discipleship, invest in training, but this we community. do want to meet the needs of our church yeah. because even if we are to send people out to churches, what we've seen is in the last year, um, for the last 20 years, we've had a consistent growth of three to 4% in our, in our church, which is the praise of the Lord. Uh, in, the, in the last, since January 2023, we've seen 20% growth in our church. So it's only growing. Um, we, we don't take any credit for that. I mean, look at us. It's yeah. not us. <laughs> Thank you. But the Lord's doing something here. Discipleship. And we want to meet was the right needs. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just doing it to you before yeah, you can yeah, say, point you. to me. And it's say, true. Look, it's not because it's of true. us. <laughs> uh, the reality is, we're not trying to be bigger or better or be about Salem Heights. We just yeah. want to steward well what God's entrusting to us. And we believe that these improvements will both address some physical needs, but will set us to be continue to invest in the kingdom for well beyond our time here at Salem Heights Church. Yeah, and so the question is, I mean, in light of everything that's going on in our culture, um, politics, I'm confident all the guys running the money at the national level, they know what they're doing. They're super smart, right? So we're safe. <laughs> we're really going to be in a balanced economy tomorrow. And uh, this is, no, the real question in the room is, is this the right time? We can tell you this. Our team feels that same question. Yeah. We, we've been on our knees. We've been just like, is this the time, Lord? This doesn't make any sense. But if you look at the history of Salem Heights, this, is, this room right here is the fourth edition since the original chapel was built. We've had four other times. Every time the yeah. Lord has moved the people of that church, number one, it's a church-wide thing. It's yeah. not just one person saying we're doing this. The church has felt like together this is what God's doing. And it's come during a war in Iraq, after Twin Towers fall, yeah. uh, economic instability. And yet God has this way of leading his church at times where he can only get the credit if his people will be faithful to step out. And so, again, we just ask you to pray. We're going we're gonna to take a break from this series, and we're asking you to pray. If the Lord is in this, we won't have to twist any arms or have to really convince you. It'll be evident that God is leading us to do this as a church family. Um, and we're open to laying these plans before the Lord. We have a great team. Um, Steve Dan Garen's been a huge help yeah. to organize all this. We have a so number good. of other teams that have spoken into this project and will continue. But we continue every meeting to lay it before the Lord and say, Lord, if, you're if this is what we think you're calling us to, but if it changes, we will follow you. And so is it the right time? Why now? The, the needs are evident. Uh, we don't need to make a case for the needs. Uh, we want to meet those needs. And we believe that the Lord has unified our staff and our team to do it. And so we're going to move forward carefully, but in yeah. confidence that he will bring it to pass if it's truly of him. The question I have for you is, uh, do you believe it's the right time? This is what I'd have you take away as we're wrapping this up. Do you feel like the spirit of God has started to do something in your heart? Is that why you're here? Are you more connected with the Lord you feel like you're praising him? You feel more connected in community to the people to the right and the left of you? Do you feel like you love your neighbor more? Do you feel like that you want to rejoice and tell the stories of what God is doing in your life? Right now, is there something happening in you? So when we talk about is this the right time, the question is, there's nothing that, that Pete or I could do to stir up the spirit of God in you. That's between you and the Lord. If the Lord is at work, then he has created a sense of community, a sense of calling, a sense of praise and worship that's unique. There's a reason that we're being drawn together if the Lord is at work. If it really is the spirit of God that's doing it. 
The converse is, is the other question. Do you think that it's just the, the, the growth that we're experiencing and the things that we're having happen at Salem Heights is just the genius fruition of well-planned thoughts of Pete and Justin? <laughs> you know it's not. <laughs> There's nothing really solid inside here. I just want you guys to know that. There's things rattle around inside there and things fall out and I hope that it's, you know worthy. The Lord is either in this or not at all. This is what I would have you think. If the Lord is really in it, then we, we move when he would tell us to move. We're going to move in a season where only he gets the glory and where we can't explain it. But also at the same time, uh, we, we move as a family. So I'm asking you, would you consider if the spirit of God is in that and he's moved you in this last season to grow more deeply and connected and to praise him more, would you join us in making room for more folks that are like-hearted? Yeah. So we haven't had a chance to go over everything this morning. On your note sheet, there's a QR code. It has everything that we talked about this morning and even stuff that we didn't get to. It's bullet pointed on there. So there's more questions and answers about where you can send your questions, what we're going to do to keep you informed throughout the summer. But this is going to bring to an end this introduction of this vision where God's leading us. And now we're going to call our church to pray. And then we're going to come back to this series for a couple more weeks in July. And then we'll come back to it a couple more times in September we believe that uh, it's now the Lord that needs to bring us together to till our hearts and to move us forward in unity. Yeah. And so we're going we're gonna to pray here. And then uh, we've invited uh, AJ to come back out because we felt like the service like this needed to end with worship, not just us talking. Which takes a long time for it us does. to yeah, get words out. It but does. would you pray for us and we'll invite AJ up. Yeah. Father God, we just thank you for this morning. And we pray that our words have been clear. God, we know that you are a God who could do immeasurably more than we can ask or think. And God, we believe you're moving us in a direction, not just to meet our needs, but to meet the needs of your kingdom, that, that, to accomplish the work that you have for, for Salem and beyond, God. And so we, we take that, that call and that responsibility seriously. And so we just pray now that you would go before us as a church, for those who say, this is my church, that we would all be in prayer. God, what would you do? How would you use us? How would you want us to participate and whatever that is, Lord, we will trust your provision, knowing that that is what we need to accomplish what you are calling us to. We're excited to see you use these investments and these building projects to further the gospel, to make more disciples and help everyone become complete in Christ. We thank you for your invitation to us to participate in your work. And we ask that we'd be faithful. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. Amen.